This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell of Dogs 24-7. Loaded show. We got, so we got to get Rusty to clear up some stuff for us about practice and scrimmages and whatnot. Uh, we're going to talk about the quarterback situation because that is the topic du jour in, in Athens and, and will be the topic du jour every day from here on out. And, and I do know what topic du jour means. Uh, and, and then we're also going to get into some recruiting because Georgia's got a couple of commitments lately and uh, had, some, had a big visitor in town this past weekend. Going to let Rusty and Kip spill some knowledge on you as far as that goes. But, Rusty, before we get into any of that, Dude, clear this up about the practice situation because I think some folks are getting a little freaked out about no scrimmage, scrimmage. Uh, just kind of fill us in on that. Yeah, I mean, from what we're saying here is there's not going to be another scheduled scrimmage. It doesn't mean that th- that may not happen. But right now, uh, everybody that I'm talking to says there's not another scrimmage. But that does not mean there's not practice. That does not mean there's not 11 on 11. That does not mean there will be red zone uh, com- competitions. It will be practice as normal. They do have a, an event in the stadium on Saturday. The McGill Society members and the Letterman's Club will be there to watch practice, and they certainly will do some 11-on-11. There will not be, from my understanding, getting off the bus, doing a pregame stretch, dividing on one sideline, the other team on one sideline, and having a scrimmage one versus twos, a little bit of ones versus ones, and that type of thing. So I want to clear that part up where people – I think when people heard me say there's not any more scrimmage set, that, that put people into panic mode, certainly not the case. They will do a lot more reps, uh, you know, in 11-on-11 settings in playing football situations, a ton of red zone, all that stuff. Still a lot of blocking, a lot of tackling, and a lot of practicing plays going on in Athens. Just want to make that very, very clear. I think people took that the wrong way. All right, there you have it. And, you know, I'm not even sure if they're limited on the number of, like, true scrimmages they can have. Maybe they aren't this year. I'm not – I haven't been able to get clarification on that. But, folks, every time Georgia goes out and practices between now and probably the Thursday before they play Arkansas, even the Thursday before they play Arkansas, and maybe the Friday, they're going to have an 11-on-11 periods of practice where it's basically a scrimmage. Now, they may not get in there and run 140 plays or 135 plays like they normally do, but there is, there's a ton of 11-on-11 that happens in practice, and, and they're going to put them in game-like situations, third down, red zone, second and ten, first down. Uh, you know, they're going to go run period. They're going to go goal line. They're going to do all of that. So, you know, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I don't think that, that, that there needs to be any sort of panic or anything like that. And, and on, with all that going on, guys, there's a quarterback competition. And, Kip, I've I heard what you've had to say on this. You and I have talked about it. And I think you, you sum it up so well 
what is your assessment of the quarterback situation right now? Because I think a lot of folks kind of have this this view that, well, they're just listening to Kirby and, and that's where they're getting their their information from. It's not. And, and, and then you've got the other folks that say, well, if there's not a clear guy right now, there's something to be worried about. Uh, kind of lay it down for everybody and, and, and break that quarterback situation down for us. Well, yeah. There, I mean, the one thing I, I've read and I've heard from people is that there's reason for concern at Georgia so far. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to really dial it up and, and, and give, you know, that kind of a broad answer. I think what you have right now is a quarterback competition. And, and so, again, you, you got two guys that are learning a first-year offense. You know, Todd Munkin is, is bringing in his offensive system. And one thing we do know about Georgia, one question – you know, there was not a question mark about this coming in because, I mean, we've talked about this on the shows all offseason. Georgia's got arguably the best defense in the country. I mean, I, I think they do have the best defense in the country and one of the best defenses in, in, in the last couple of years, regardless of team. I mean, they got talent at, at all three levels. They have depth at all three levels. That is a squad that could be the toughest you know, unit that Georgia quarterbacks play all year. So I I think where there would be cause for concern is if you had a quarterback lighting up the defense. And, and obviously it doesn't seem to be the case right now. What you have are two different guys, you know, trying to, to get in there, get the offense down, get comfortable with, you know, new teammates and, you know, get in there and, and make plays when they need to. And, you know, for all, all the talk of Dwan Mathis, he's a guy that, you know, him getting more reps opened up a lot of eyes. But, I mean, Kirby Smart and, and Todd Munkin, they are really excited about his skill set and the tools that he brings to the table. So I think that they want to see what he can do and give him every opportunity to see what he can do because regardless whether he's a starter or the backup, I think you're going to see a different situation than what you saw from Justin Fields a couple years ago, where when he comes on the field, everyone knows what he's going to do. I think they're, you know, if Dwight Mathis is the backup, he's going to have packages installed for him. And when he comes in, you know, he's going to make plays with his legs, but he's also going to have an opportunity to make plays with his arm as well. I'm not, you know, I'm not handing the job to JT Daniels just yet, but but I do think that he is still the guy. If if they were playing Arkansas today, he would be the guy that would come out and start the game for Georgia, this is my projection as of right now. They still have plenty of practice left, and in my opinion, I think what you're going to see is that Arkansas game is going to be pretty much a continued competition for the starting quarterback job to see what both these quarterbacks can do. So I think, yeah, you'd like to see a guy, because I know that's what fans often like to do, see a guy just kind of run away with it. Uh, But I think what you're seeing is two guys that are very talented and going up against the most talented defense in the country being tested. And, I mean, how many times is Kirby Smart going to say that iron sharpens iron? That's exactly what's happening in fall camp. Of course he'd love to have a guy that, that you know, shows him exactly what he needs to be the starting quarterback going in. But I think you'd see it even more upset Kirby Smart if JT Daniels or Dwan Mathis was just lighting up this defense and practice every day. There's no doubt about it. Kirby would be going crazy right now if the defense was giving up a bunch of big plays. And 
any of these quarterbacks were, were doing that. Uh, folks, we're coming out of a, of a pandemic here, and, and you, know, you may have your own opinion about that, but, but whatever you think, they missed spring practice. Uh, they, they missed a lot of time this summer that they would have normally gotten to, to work out. And, yeah, they did a lot of walkthroughs, and they got a lot of mental prep, but, but there's, a, there's, there's, there's a full speed element to all of that. And not only that, but they are going against a big-time defense. Like, we, we said this early on, and, and, and listen, I put this in an insider report, you know, talking about, you know, I thought that there was some concern on Georgia's part, and Todd Munkin even said this now that I think about it, that it's kind of hard to build confidence when you're going up against a defense like that every single day in practice. You get, the, you know, you get the iron sharpens iron element, but you also get the, hey, you got the crap beat out of you today. And you don't feel so good about tomorrow all of a sudden. So, you know, all of that comes into play. And, uh, you know, the quarterback situation is, is fascinating to me because I do believe that both quarterbacks are in it. Uh, I think the reps that they're getting in practice right now indicates it because, listen, I, I've covered the illusion of, of, a, of a quarterback battle, okay? I've done it a couple times now, I've, you know, with, between Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. And then between – and I know Easton was named the starter earlier, but, but, you know, Kirby was still talking competition. And then you had, you know, Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. And in both instances, the starting quarterback, the guy who eventually became the starter, you know, discounting the whole Jake Fromm coming in because of the injury thing, both times the, the, the starter was getting 80, 85, 90% of the first team reps. It's not happening right now, guys. It's not happening. Georgia's got a couple of guys that are very involved in this quarterback battle. Dewan Mathis is within striking distance, and uh, Rusty, I know you. I, I know you're on top of that as well. And and, and from what I've understand, you kind of you you agree with that. Yep, I do. And um, you know, I think people too got. We had, we did a Ask Rusty uh, weekly chat last night, and I, I was honest on what I've heard. Okay, we've all heard a, a little bit of different things. That I will say, it was not all doom and gloom on Saturday for the offense after a very good week, a very good scrimmage the week before. Really good. Now, I will say, Jake, you heard the same thing. They really got after them physically up front and ran the ball really well against the first-team defense basically 10 days ago. This past weekend, you know, I was told it was lack of consistency. Neither quarterback really took a step forward. Does not mean that they didn't have some moments where they completed a ball through a touchdown or did this. I just think that the staff really wanted someone to kind of separate because we're, like you said, we're getting, we're getting into that time where you start preparing for Arkansas and you quit working on Georgia for a little while. So this is really, and truthfully the last full week that you'll be working on Georgia at the end of next week, they will start preparation for Arkansas. And, you know, I just think that people need to realize I cannot reiterate enough that this job is wide open. And I think that this staff is really, really wanting someone to step forward. Now, there's a lot of different variables right now. JT Daniels, you know, not fully, fully cleared. Uh, and, and then Dewan Mathis had a week or, you know, four days basically of getting more reps in practice. So there's still a lot of things going on, but, um, you know, this, this job is still wide open. And it's wide open because Dewan Mathis has done some good things. I mean, he's, it's wide open because he's kind of turned some heads and, and he's, he's an intriguing guy. His level of talent, I think, is, it has maybe been undersold 
prior to now. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the things that we need to get across here is the fact that Dwan Mathis is a six foot five, six foot six, 200, 210 pound quarterback with a very good arm. He runs extremely well. He's got playmaking instincts at the quarterback position. And, when you when you put all of that in in there, you think, wow, this, this guy's extremely good. This guy's awesome. And then you know, last last scrimmage, he comes in and he he, he gets some first team reps, throws a couple of interceptions, at least a couple of interceptions that I've been able to confirm. But this was the telling quote to me from Kirby Smart after the scrimmage. And you guys are gonna have to bear with me here because it's it's fairly uh, it's a fairly extensive quote. Uh, you know, Kirby was asked about projecting the quarterbacks and, and, and the ability to, and, and also protect, protecting them during practice. You know, you don't want those guys getting hit, and JT Daniels can't even get hit right now. And the ability to get a good read on them while you're going non-contact with the quarterbacks in practice, right? So there's the context. Kirby says, yeah, I don't know that we're getting, getting a full read ever. I don't know that we're getting a full read on any of them. Juan Matha steps up to scramble today, and you're having to make a determination, did he get sacked or did he not? That's really never fair. The only way to make it fair is to make it live, and that's, t- that's a tougher decision. And it's a decision that we thought more about this year than we ever have before, okay? Skipping ahead a little bit there because he goes through some stuff talking about the quarterback's mobility. And then he says the only way you're going to get that, talking about a full assessment of where the quarterbacks are, is A, scrimmage live, or B, play a game. And the game is the next step for us outside of some other practices to get better, okay? Now, you guys can tell me if I'm off base here or not. But to me, that seems like a Dewan Mathis-oriented quote. It seems to me like, listen, to me that says, and this is kind of we're doing like a what they said, what we think it means type thing. But that to me says Kirby is like, yeah, Dewan has had some struggles. He's had some inconsistencies. But I'd really, really, really love to see what this kid can do whenever he's running around out there and we're having to chase him down and we're having to try and sack him and guys are breaking free and guys are stepping up from coverage, opening up throwing lanes. That to, that's what that says to me. And, uh, you know, Kip, I'm going to throw it to you. Is that off base? Does, I mean, or can I not read? Uh, well, that remains to be seen uh, after no. – reading the last couple of articles you know it's it's in the eye of the beholder i guess we'll let we'll let our dogs 24 7 readers judge that but as far as you know what kirby's trying to say other than you know this is still a competition you also have to go to what he said in between which when he's talking about calling plays designed for a certain quarterback and then mentioning certain styles you know when he mentions calling things that maybe just fit dewan or just jt i mean that that tells you that i mean yes the coaching staff is itching to set Dwan Mathis loose, but the one thing we still do know about Kirby Smart is that he does I mean, he does not like risk adverse plays. And so when he talks about these quarterbacks not doing well, I mean, the the last thing he wants is to have a drive, get into the opponent's, you know, side of the field, get near the red zone and have a turnover. You know, that, that is something that he'll lose his visor, you know, immediately if he starts seeing that happen. And so that's, that's kind of what you can tell that he's trying to see. He's trying to figure out which of these quarterbacks is going to make, you know, do well in the decision-making area enough to where, you know, he can feel comfortable letting them loose. Because as Rusty said, the time has come for them to start preparing for Arkansas and, that playbook has to be ready. So 
Todd Munkin has to be ready to carve out what the offensive identity is going to be for Georgia, at least in the season opener. And so in that mind, I mean, you have to, you have to think that even though JT Daniels, you know, he can move when he needs to coming off a major injury, technically still not fully cleared knee brace. The, you, there are plays that you just cannot run with JT Daniels that you can run with, you know, a couple of the other quarterbacks on the roster now as far as just feeling comfortable that your quarterback isn't going to go down to injury. So I think that's still kind of playing in the mind of what Kirby Smart's trying to figure out here. But at the same time, it, it's clear that, you know, they are looking at the quarterback positioning and wanting whoever takes this job to make more plays than what we've seen in the offense the you know the last year the last two years and so that's not just with the legs I mean and we're talking about pushing the ball downfield you've got a couple guys who have the physical talent to do that and so you know I think the next couple of days in practice is going to dictate what this playbook looks looks like because I mean Tom Onkin he's been trying to to get everything installed and ready to go and, and they need a quarterback to kind of take hold so that you know the the majority of the plays that he has scripted are, are for that starter, knowing that he has quarterback-specific plays for both of the guys, you know, that are competing for the job right now. Kip, Kip, it's September the 9th. Give me who starts Arkansas game. I still have JT Daniels right now, but, you know, every, 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 quote, every, quote, every quote I hear, uh, you know, makes me think that, Dwyane Mathis is pushing for it, but I'm sticking with JT Daniels right now. Got you, Jake Rowe, September 9th. Who you got starting? First? I, as long as he's cleared, I think it's going to be JT Daniels. But I, I fully expect both quarterbacks to play. And and this brings up another topic, and one we'll we're probably we'll all bounce around to here. But I, I just think this thing goes into the season because I just think Dwyane Mathis. I don't think it's any indictment on JT Daniels. Um, because he's probably not the player now that he's going to be a year from now whenever he's fully healthy. I mean, if he's not cleared, then he's probably not moving around as well as he can just yet. So, uh, but I, I just think Dewan Mathis is, is just, is such a, is, he's just such a high ceiling type guy that, that they're going to want to get him involved and get him in the game. But I, I think Daniels starts. I think Daniels is going to end, as long as he's cleared, is going to be the primary guy. But I, I still expect to see quite a bit of Dewan Mathis, and, and, and I don't necessarily expect that to stop the week of the Arkansas. Now you're on the spot. <laughs> well, last week I picked Jamie Newman to start, and about four hours later he left. So, uh, that is so true. That <laughs> happened like just – I mean, that happened like – Literally had three, known, three and a half hours after we finished recording. I mean, had I known that during the time we were recording that, that Jamie Newman was already on his way to North Carolina, probably would have changed that prediction. Uh, September 9th, I'm going to go with DeJuan Mathis. And I'm going to also say that this is probably going to play into the season. I think that JT Daniel is a guy that brings a lot to the table. I think the health thing is going to be way, way close uh, to him getting that clearance of getting tackled to the ground, uh, long-term deal thing. I think DeJuan Mathis brings uh, a guy that's a really, truthfully, a freaky athlete. This is a guy that's a 6'6", big arm, very, very fast, very inexperienced, obviously, 
But I think over the next two weeks, and I'm projecting that DeJuan Mathis is going to make a move, and I think he's going to start the first game against Arkansas, and that very well may, may, very well may be wrong, and it may change as the season goes on. But the question was, who's going to be the first starter Arkansas game, and I'll go with DeJuan Mathis. You know, and, and Rusty, I think you brought up a, a point like way back, like way back at the very beginning of the show about the fact that last week, and it was really only half a week, was the first week he really kind of moved into that, you know, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to say legit contender because I think he was that before, but you can't split number one reps among three guys and have three guys get better with the ones, nope. uh, but, but I think this past week he kind of got the number one reps that, that Jay, Jamie Newman was getting, and that's, that's not a bad projection there if you're looking at it because he's going to get more time, and there's a whole other aspect to this thing, which is, or there's whole other layers to this thing, which is, you know, is the coaching staff, are they going to want to be somewhat cautious, not necessarily, you know, super cautious, but, you know, JT Daniels just barely getting cleared. I mean, I know that we've heard, you know, you've heard in the past, if they're cleared, they're cleared, but are they going to want to take it slow with him? Do they feel like JT Daniels is a really good security blanket that if you give Dwan Mathis a shot and he struggles, JT Daniels can come off the bench and kind of sure. be the guy with his game experience. And then you've got another thing, which is, and it's being glossed over, and it's, it's not being talked about, and it's something I kind of bang the drum about all offseason. Yeah, Jamari Sawyer's a really good football player at left tackle. But he's playing – he's going to start his – against September 26th will be his first start at left tackle. Justin Schaefer has two starts under his belt. Uh, Trey Hill and Ben Cleveland, who's – Ben Cleveland was dinged up for last week's scrimmage, mind you. Okay? Those guys have a ton of, a ton of snaps under their belt. I think 34 combined. And then at right tackle, you got Owen Condon, who's, who's never really played hardly in a game. I mean, a handful of plays his entire career. And from both scrimmages – one of the common themes that I heard from both scrimmages and, and, and you know, for the second one, it kind of leaked out later, was that these guys have had some issues protecting in obvious passing, passing situations. And that's expected because, A, George is really good on defense. You're trying to block yeah. Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson and, and Aziz Ojolari. But number two, you're, you're building some cohesion here. These guys didn't get 15 practices together. Then some time to kind of build a bond and, and figure some things out and then come back for preseason camp. That didn't happen they had to kind of meet over Zoom with Matt Luke and talk about this and that and do walkthroughs. So, you know, that's another aspect of the offense that can kind of develop between now and the start of the season. You fully expect it to, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm just – I don't know. I'm just kind of interested to see how it all plays out. And, you know, I think that, that there's this impression that we want to we wanted give the illusion that there's a quarterback battle. And, folks, there's, folks, there's just no illusion. Like, you – I've said this many times before. Rusty said it. Kip said it you make your hay in this business by being right. There have been times where we've been second on a story or, or second on a scoop or whatever because we wanted to make sure we were right. And that's what, that's what this is. You want to be right. And, and to be right, right now, you have to say that both quarterbacks are definitely in the mix because they are. Yes. And I believe JT Daniels is, 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 is capable of getting it done. And I believe Dewan Mathis is capable of getting it done. And I think Dewan Mathis, even if he's behind right now, which I, I would say maybe a nose behind JT Daniels based on experience alone, striking distance, he's well within it. And, and, and I think he's going to have a shot to win this job. Before we jump into a break, I want to remind everybody of a couple things. Number one, over at Dogs 24-7 right now, if you want to join up, get VIP access, get our unfiltered thoughts on – 
on the quarterback battle, on recruiting, on X's and O's, offensive line specific players, chats, all of that stuff. Two months for one dollar. That's less than two cents a day, folks. You pay a hundred cents for sixty days of Dogs twenty four seven VIP coverage. Never been a better time to check us out. Normally it's one month for one dollar. Now it's two. Come join us over there. We'd love to have you. Offer ends tomorrow, which would be uh, September the tenth. It'll end at midnight on September, or I guess eleven fifty nine fifty nine at uh, on September tenth. So come over here and join us. We'd love to have you. And and also want to thank a lot of the people that have have joined the site lately. We've had a big few weeks in terms of folks signing up and giving us a shot, and uh, we we really appreciate that. We're glad to have you. Also, um, as far as the podcast, hey, if you get a chance and and you haven't yet. Subscribe, rate, review, and 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 the review is the main part. We want to hear what you think about the podcast. We want to hear some of the questions you have about what's going on. We'd love to hear from you because right now our only question kind of uh, format is is to be able to ask the people on our board and and uh, you know use that re- use that uh, review button to kind of ask us a question or two. We'd love to hear from you and love to answer your question, get to it, and. Uh, um, you know, that's that's what we're here for uh, as far as this podcast goes. But uh, let's take a break. And on the other side of the break, it's recruiting. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride-or-die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Rusty. Two commitments in the last, last I don't know, week, two weeks, week and a half, and, uh, and a big-time visitor on campus. Let's start with the two commitments. Uh, what, what is Georgia getting in these guys? Well, Marlon Dean's obviously someone they offered early last January. He young man was at Elbert County. Now he's transferred over to IMG and – you know, he committed early, you know, without being able to take many visits. I would say early because he you know, he kind of blew up last January and uh, took some visits and, you know, got some offers. And, and Georgia was a lifelong dream of his. He goes ahead and commits and then kind of out of the blue in the middle of July decommits. And from what I understand, he just want to take a step back and, and, you know, talking to people at Elbert County and, he got a really good source there, and he just said, look, man, the, the parents are – they're all Georgia. This young man's Georgia. He just kind of wanted to make sure on some things. So he spent about a month and a half. You know, all the schools started calling again, Tennessee, South Carolina, Auburn specifically. 
at the end of the day, just felt like it was Georgia. And had a really good game last week, from what I understand, and also getting pretty good reviews out of the IMG staff to the UGA staff. He's a 6'6", 265, 260-pound, you know, basically defensive end. Looks like he's going to play there. You know, Malik Heron's area, hand down, can slide down a little bit. He'll gain some weight. But Jackson Meeks is the guy that kind of, listen, he missed his sophomore year. Uh, with a knee injury, it kind of lingered into his junior year. He got hurt. I think the last game of his junior sophomore year was able to get back in the lineup late last year, played in the state championship game. I think he had like four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown in the state championship game, wearing a big old knee brace. Doesn't get to camp much. You know, obviously Corey Fravel came on from our Clemson site, who is involved with the Cam Newton 7-on-7 team. And he had seen him in the spring. Been around him some right before the 707 season got canceled. And, you know, here's a kid that, you know, he's six foot one, 190 pounds. And when you torch a school like Hoover for 204 touchdowns, you know, that catches attention. But obviously, he was on Georgia's radar before that. So Georgia goes in, checks the tape, they offer. Young man comes up this past weekend with his family, first time he ever been to Athens. Can't do any face-to-face, but he gets to look around, see the facilities, see what the town's like, and and saw enough. And I got word, I guess it was Sunday night, that, you know, he was committing Tuesday morning. So, he, uh, you know, he's he's, he's in, you know, probably the last wide receiver they're going to take in this class after taking a, a large one in the 2020 class, large group. So, you know, a guy that, that kind of blew up on the radar, and everybody keeps asking about his ranking, and me and Kip will tell you the same thing. We need game tape, and I'll say this that he will have a fair shake when it's all said and done, like a lot of kids, but I fully expect his ranking to move. Not going to say how much, but he'll get a look, and that Hoover game certainly will not hurt him at all. And Barton Simmons, uh, our national director of recruiting, came on and was on our board yesterday and, and explicitly said that, that Jackson Meeks was going to move up. And, you know, when you look at that Hoover game where he let him up for over 200 yards and I think 13 catches – um, he breaking tackles, routes, top, you know, high point in the ball. Um, he caught, caught a little curl route underneath and exploded past a couple guys. I mean, you can tell that he's definitely a different guy as a senior than, than he was on that junior film when, when he, you know, kind of looked like he was trying to get his feet back under, maybe some confidence issues there as well. But, uh, you know, obviously Georgia jumped on him, Ole Miss jumped on him, Lane Kiffin, yeah, he's got a few pretty good receivers in his day. Uh, so, so he wanted him too, and and uh, it's funny. Georgia's kind of had gone up against Ole Miss and Auburn, you know, for for Adonai Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell, and and then they uh, had to go up against uh, Ole Miss for uh, for Jackson Meeks, and you know, obviously the Marlon Dean thing, you know, it's the guy Georgia thinks highly of, and who knows what he's going to grow into with that frame. Uh, Kid, what, what's your assessment of both of those prospects and and, and kind of what they bring to Georgia's class? I think it was it was there was never a doubt that that Georgia wanted Marlon Dean I mean when he decommitted that question got asked I mean they wanted him on board the whole time and when you have a guy that's you know the guy has his frame you know I think he told me he's up to 285 pounds now I mean that like like Rusty said that Malik Herring type role fits him perfectly and, and I think that you saw other schools like South Carolina Tennessee Auburn trying to jump in there when he decommitted. They thought he was all Georgia, and when he decommitted, you know, they, they tried to make a move in there. So, again, this is a guy that his spot in the class should have never been in question, and I think 
defensive line is a, a huge priority for Trey Scott and Georgia this cycle. And I, I think that, you know, they have a chance to build a really special D-line class. And I think also, you know, this is going to be that year as far as the team on the field where, you know, they could potentially break that, you know, that, that draft, you know, the – the drought of not having a guy drafted since uh, John Jenkins, I believe, and is it 2013? So I think again, they're bringing in talent. They're they're building up a very strong defensive line, and and Trey Scott's gonna be a guy who is gonna be on the rise the next couple of years, just based on the the scouting evaluations he's doing. And you know, as as far as Jackson meets, he's extremely intriguing because. Everyone kind of thought that second wide receiver spot in Georgia's class was going to be to, you know, a, a speed demon. I mean, they were definitely after guys like Malcolm Johnson Jr., Mario Williams, uh, you know, Marcus Burke, guys that could really stretch the field. I don't think that Meeks is going to be considered a burner, just like a Donnie Mitchell. I think it's a, it's a situation where he was the best player available. They saw a guy that was – coming off injury and what you're even seeing now isn't going to be what you see a year or two from now because I think he's going to uh, continue to get faster and stronger just showing how well he's come off that injury uh, you know that that is an evaluation tool right there just to see how he overcame the injury in high school and has come back to be as productive as he is with this combination of size and speed uh, I think that you know his best days are still ahead of him, and he definitely still fills what, what Georgia always looks for at the wide receiver position, a guy where he can separate, and then you throw that ball up downfield. He can make, you know, he can make that sideline catch, but he could also break tackles and, and get yards after the catch. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see if, if, you know, other schools still try to jump in there and, and offer. Georgia got in there, saw, saw immediately what he was bringing to the table, and he pounced on that offer, and I think Georgia has a chance to to get a steal at the wide receiver position. Two steals, really, at wideout in this class, and and that wide receiver room has a lot of depth and, and a lot of talent right now. But you know, I think these both these guys have a chance to to really help out that passing game down the road. Speaking of helping out the passing game, you got to keep the quarterback upright to do that. And uh, Georgia had a stud offensive tackle on campus this past weekend. Uh, Kip, what, what are your thoughts on Amarius Mims, where Georgia stands there? You know, we have not tried to sugarcoat it at all. I mean, I think that with Amarius Mims, everyone kind of had him just pegged as a, a lock to, to go to Georgia. And, but, I mean, he's, he's been, again, he's made the decision to take time with the process, not announce the decision until October, and continue to take visits. And, He's taken several visits to Georgia on his own in the last month. He's close. You know, he's, he's got a good relationship with Georgia's quarterback commitment, Brock Vandegrift. But in this five-star tackle, uh, you know, out of Buckley County, who, I mean, we think is the, the best prospect in Georgia on this podcast. We th I mean, we think he's an elite left tackle prospect. Tennessee's giving them a fight. I mean, they were able to get them on campus a couple times as well in, in recent weeks. So I think we're we're in a situation where I like where Georgia stands, but I mean, they, they still have to win this battle and land his commitment on October 14th. I like, you know, I like their chances to do that right now, but I, I think this is a battle that is going on a little bit more behind the scenes 
than what maybe the crystal ball predictions, seven of them all in for Georgia, might lead you to believe. Rusty, where are you at on that as far as Amarius Mims' commitment and, and kind of where Georgia stands? He's taken six visits in eight weeks, I believe, six visits in eight weeks. He's taken three to Georgia and three to Knoxville. And to go from Bleckley County to Knoxville uh, on, on a Friday is a, is a good little haul. And he has been up there as many times as he's been to Georgia. So I certainly think this, was a, this is a recruiting battle. You know, he's definitely interested in Tennessee. They're, they're pushing for this hard. And, you know, you have to pick one right now. I, I mean, I would say Georgia, but, you know, I couldn't put in an extreme confidence on that. I mean, I think Tennessee has definitely made this thing uh, a legitimate, real threat for him. And uh, the, the only thing I keep asking him, are you still on track for October 14th? And he says, I'm making a decision that day. I'm getting done with this thing. So, you know, he'll, he'll, I'm sure he's going to visit both schools probably multiple times. But, you know, every, I, I, the question I have is, will it let this thing go on until December or is he going to end it in October? And as of right now, the same message he continues with me is he's going he's gonna to end it on, on his birthday, October the 14th. And uh, this is a very, very, very talented football player. And there's about two or three of these per class. And Georgia happens to have one in state, and uh, they're, they're they're trying their best to get him, and, and so is Tennessee. And I don't think it can be stated enough. I mean, Georgia's get Georgia's all the way up to number eight in in, in the twenty four sevens composite team rankings, and they are within striking distance of of making a run again. Very little margin for error, and we've already hashed over that many times of that number one spot. I mean, if they if they get the right pieces. Uh, and and bat a high enough average here down the stretch, they can get there. Um, but but that includes getting the Marius Mims, and you know they they can they're they're going to bring in a great class regardless. I mean, when you look at some of the defensive guys, they still got a chance at getting. I mean, Corey Foreman, nation's number one prospect, still in the mix. Um, Smile Munden's a guy they're still on. Xavier Sori, uh, it's got a class. It's a class that can can kind of hold its own against the 2019 class that's already doing so many big things in Athens. Uh, but but Amarius Mims is a key guy for Georgia, and losing him is going to sting if that happens. I mean, it's going to sting bad for Georgia fans. It's going to sting for Georgia's chances to have an elite class and, and reach that 300-point threshold that often indicates whether or not you've had, a, had an elite class. And, and Mims, I wouldn't say is the linchpin of that, but, but he is definitely a major, major part of it. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out because he's about a month out from his decision now, a little over a month. And, uh, you know, Georgia has been long considered the favorite, even when he was claiming that Alabama was his leader. And, and that's kind of fallen off a little bit of late. Uh, you know, Georgia was, was still considered the favorite. And, and the crystal ball says Georgia's still the favorite now. But uh, there's nobody I trust more than when it comes to recruiting than Kip and Rusty. And both of them are telling us right now, uh, that, that Tennessee's a major threat here, and we'll see how it pans out down the stretch. For this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, and uh, you all take it easy. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.